Welcome to the Talk Safe podcast with me, Jess, and my lovely co-host, Emma. We created Talk Safe as a safe space for people to feel comfortable, to share their experiences, and to tackle sensitive topics. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to Talk Safe with your host today, Emma, and my lovely co-host, Jess. Hi, guys. Hi, and today we've got with us the lovely Nadia. Hello, everybody. Hi, so good to have you. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you today. I mean, it's been so lovely to have you as part of the Walk Safe uh, crew. Um, Yeah, so have you been, how's it been, uh, you know, working with us? You've got to say nice things, right? Because we're on (laughs) air. Lots and lots of nice things. It's fantastic. It's, um, when this opportunity came came along, it it was just, it, it just felt like it was made made for us really and, and I just think so far the the match has just been perfect and um it's just the right time for for, for, for me to get involved and um to finally get back to what I have previously done. That's amazing. So tell us a bit about your background. I mean, you know, as sort of walks as part of the walk safe team we all know, but for our listeners, um, please let them know why you are literally the most perfect match and why you are literally our expert that we go to for nearly everything. Oh, you are so far too kind. Um, well, I studied criminology, so I've always had a, an interest in crime and it's uh, all its faces. Um, then I joined the police um, as a very young 21-year-old. Um, I joined in the Met, um, which was all very new to me, and I was in the police for 10 years, um, where I um, specialised mainly in sexual offences, spent a lot of time doing that, um, did a lot of, dealt with lots of victims, children, women, uh, men, um, pioneered quite a, a very new approach to how police dealt with victims. Um, we tried to be very consistent. Um, we tried to be very present and just give a far better service than, than what we what we were doing kind of in the nineties. And um, we were, as a unit, uh, we were really good at it, and um, <laughs> we were great. And um, which we, what we adopted was then rolled out throughout the the whole of the map. Um, and then I got promoted and went and did lots of um, other crimes in Hackney, so lots of um, CID-based jobs, uh, GBHs, um, arsons, uh, lots of big jobs like that. And then I went to a proactive firearms team. And we looked for guns and drugs. And then I finally finished um, as a detective sergeant in the burglary unit. Wow, oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> impressive. You've I literally mean, covered wow. all the bases. <laughs> I know, that is so impressive. I mean, I'm in awe. I mean, that list went on forever and each of them oh, were right. just as outstanding. No, no, just it's just in- incredible. I mean, each was interesting as the last job that you did. So you just kept climbing the ladder and, you know, yeah. pushing on through and they all seemed almost you could get something so different out of each of them. I did. I was I was insanely um, blessed with having some really really good um, officers 
um, bosses really who who were um, pushed me to get as much kind of um, diversity as possible and, and I kind of always pushed myself kind of for those roles like I, I remember when I got to Hackney and they were like you're going to the CSU the community safety unit and I was like I don't want to go to the CSU I was like I've just done uh, you know that I was like can I go and do this and he was just like uh, no you can't really I was like why not and he was just oh, like no. well, uh, I don't know why not okay you can go so I kind of was just being fairly outspoken and generally worked in my favour as well that's amazing now what was your favorite department to work in ah i think sapphire will always be um probably up there with my favorites because um because we really made a difference and it was really measurable um you know taking you know when someone's had such a horrific trauma in their life um you know, and you being that first person who, who literally they go and see and you take them to be, you, you know, they're most vulnerable and they'll ever be in their life and, and you take them to, to be medically examined and then you take them home and then you interview them and, you know, it's a long process, you know, and, and then you take them to court and, and you deal with the day-to-day life and the aftermath of something that's happened to them. You, you get really involved and you get really attached and... Mm. You also see that you can make a difference, and you do make a difference. So that was always kind of, I think that will always be my favourite. That makes me emotional just hearing that process, just how, like you just said, how involved you were, and how that must have been really hard to step away if you felt like you'd made a a connection with someone or you felt invested in it. Did you think that, was that easy for you to kind of like, sign off at night or did you feel that as a and I, you know I hate to say it as a female where we tend to be more empathic and you know understanding and you know sympathetic do you think that it was hard for you at all to oh yeah a hundred percent you know you you wanted to fix things and you wanted to make mm. it better for these people and you, you couldn't and 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 that was heartbreaking to know that you couldn't and, and and obviously you know you've got to remember that the we, we, we charged a lot of people and we've got a lot of jobs to call a hell of a lot of jobs to call but you don't always get the result at court and um no that's, that's that was yeah that was really hard to manage that or to get poor results from court there was one job which um the the, the suspect got um 12 months suspended sentence for a serious sexual assault and, and then going back with the family and it, it, you're broken for them as well because you know what they've been yeah. through. So yeah. it's really hard to switch off. But we were a really close-knit unit. We spent a lot of time in the pub um, <laughs> making ourselves better. We, we were so close um, because we were the only ones who, who did get it. Yeah, um, I bet. It wasn't my, my, my partner at the time wasn't in the police. Um, so it wasn't something you could really go home and talk to uh, to them about, and and it and it w- wouldn't have been appropriate either. So we spent a lot of time in the pubs having debriefs. Uh, again, I had a, the most fantastic boss in the world ever, and um, he was he was amazing and always made sure that we were we were healthy really. Um, so he was cool. Oh, that's incredible. Now, are there any 
cases that particularly stick out to you? Is there any that you found really sort of challenging and really sort of difficult sort of emotionally to overcome? You know, we're just, we're, we're after the details. <laughs> it's so interesting. So there was, there was, there was a couple that will stick with me. Um, there's probably two that will stick with me. One that was a very vulnerable girl and, um, and that didn't get to court and, and, and that, that was horrible. Um, and I'd spent, I think, maybe probably two years with her, start oh, to finish. Wow. Yeah. And then there was anything which, which there was with kids um, stuck with me. And, I, you know, I've still got letters from him and drawings that he, he did for me. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, and that was a big old baby job. And and, um, and that's the one that got the poor result, actually. That's, that, that's the one that got the 12 months. Oh, God, um, that's awful. It's and now I wonder what, I, you know, now I always think, very, very occasionally, I just think, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder if he's okay. Because oh. he was like, he was like six at the time, so he'll he'll be like, oh you know, eight, 18, 19 now. So, you know, oh, wow. I'm just like, I hope he's okay. I hope he fought back and, 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 and isn't in the system or, you know. I think having a support system like you there and that continuous face, that constant, would have made such a difference. Because even yeah. if everything else is, you know, going haywire, there's that, you know, knowing and reassurance of, okay, I'm going to see Nadia. Nadia will, week, you know, yeah. look after me. And I think that probably made a difference. Would you say? I think it's 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 the trust and the and the you know there's a lot of stuff which is hard and, and if you don't understand the, the criminal system or the criminal justice system and the court system and it's hard and so to build up that trust with somebody and to have that consistent she'll tell me how it is she, she she's not going to lie to me she's not gonna she, mm. her motivation is to take care of me and I, and I think that that's what we never had in the 90s and so mm. you know that's what was really really important you said with one of the cases that it was a girl that you were with for two years. That seems like quite a long time. I think we often think, you know, in cases <laughs> like this, it's it's a one-off, isn't it? It's like there's there's been one incident, something's happened, and it's been, you know, reported, and now the police mm. are dealing with it. And yeah. I suppose that's not always the case, is it? No. Well, it took, you know, these things take a long, long time to get to court, an insane amount of time, and, and for that whole time that somebody is you know, charged and is waiting to go to court, that, that, that case is hanging over that person's it's head. It's torture for them, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely torture. And a lot of the time what used to happen is you'd get, they'd get sorted, you'd start to pull away and then you'd have to go back in because it'd be for, for the court and they'd be like, well, to be fair, I don't know if I want to do this. I've kind of yeah. rebuilt my life. I don't know yeah. if I want to... Yeah, I want to open up old wings. Yeah. And, and for me, I, I was always... I, I never, ever forced, you know, I, I would prefer to go to my boss and say, look, she, she's not going to court and, and have to deal with that and get mm -hmm. told off in that respect than to, because that's not important compared with having to open up. You know, you see somebody and they're sorted and they're back on track and they've got their lives together. For me, mm -hmm. I'm like, that's more wholesome and that's more Yeah, I swear it's that I agree. What do you think the percentage of people you work with didn't pursue you know at the end did you how think many got to court and how many yeah thank you oh, I think we we, we charged 83 percent um oh, that's, that's good that's very that, that good was, that's a good that's a good number 
that was the highest in Europe for the time. Um, oh wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it was it was bonkersly high, but I'd probably say out of that, probably thirty percent got to court. Oh really? Mm, but I, I and I think that's that's quite high. I, I don't know what the national average is now, but I, mm. I don't think it's anywhere near that high. But I would just check. Wow, that's incredible. So this is the yeah. thing, it's, you know, if you do report it, then, you know, there's people like yourselves that can really make a difference. Um, and I think that base, that shows that, you know, women can go forward. I mean, thinking about those who might be in those positions of, you know, something's happened to them or is currently happening to them, what advice would you give to those people? Uh, and more importantly, what is... What is the process that a victim coming forward, and I don't really like using the word victim, but somebody who was, you know, going through these awful things, whether it was domestic violence, it could, you know, sexual assault, whatever it is, if they were to come to the police, what is the process that they can expect? So I think this is what a lot of people don't know. Mm. I, I think I think because um, I, I think it would be very difficult to say hand on heart because got to remember how many different police forces there are mm. you, you've got to remember how many police officers were cut for even when i was there um you know this was rolls royce service I, I don't know i wouldn't want to say to somebody you go and report because this is what you'll get because i i, I don't know if mm. i think it depends where you are um i know what i feel that you should get um <laughs> and i think that you should get uh designated officer and I think you should have consistency and I think you should be supported and respected throughout the process um, mm -hmm. and I think that you should be allowed to pursue the perpetrator as, as viciously as you wish um, I don't, if that happens I, I would like to think that does happen I don't know if I'm being naive I hope not well, um, and this is one of the problems, I suppose, that we're facing now. It's, you know, women are not coming forward because... Yeah, why? Yeah. It's, I think there's definitely a fear of repercussion in there. I think, you know, they're worried of being found out. And, you know, if, you know, that abuser finds out what they've done, is that going to then make the treatment or the harassment of them ten times worse? I suppose that there must be an element of that in there. Um, or maybe not being believed. I think there's a few people that maybe feel like if they go to the police that they won't be taken seriously or it'll end up being uh you know your my word against yours uh, i suppose there's quite a lot of variables which has sort of got got the system into the uh into the play predicament that we're in now in terms of you know there's a lot more going on than you think yeah and i, I just don't and i think the the court system is very difficult um i think it, it always has been um, as, a, as, as somebody who has, you know, having, I, I've spent hours and hours in court waiting to give evidence and it's a hard, it's a hard place to be. And especially if you're unfamiliar with that and if it's very alien to you, it's, um, it's very, very daunting. And, um, and it's not because the juries don't believe you, it's because it's got to be beyond a reasonable doubt and that's tough too. So... I, I see it from both sides. I've seen it from both sides. Um, I this is kind of one of the reasons why the walk safe was so important for me to get involved in because if we can prevent just one person 
even thinking about being on that spectrum of a victim, I know we're not don't like that word, I don't I don't particularly like it either, but if we can prevent anybody from becoming a victim, which you can't you know, if we can try and safeguard a few people, then that would be fantastic. Then it's a job well done. I yeah. agree. I really agree. I mean, what do you think about the new Met initiative, the Walk and Talk? Um it's been brought out this week. It 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 come out on Wednesday. They're rolling it out across all London boroughs. Um, I think that aim is to kind of understand um, the public and to build trust again. Obviously, after the tragic death of Sarah Everard and, you know, I think the way um, women are feeling at the moment. I mean, I think a lot of people sit on the fence with it. I do feel it is a step in the right direction. I think that, you know, it's, a positive that um they're you know wanting and to make a difference and can see that that there is a lot of ill feeling however I'm very aware that it's going to take a lot more than just walking around the streets talking to some girls and I think there's a lot of education that needs to go on around it um I think you know it's not just about sharing experiences it's about you know putting these things in place like giving the public a toolbox really of like how to keep themselves safe and you know that's the one thing our app does is it talks about you know staying alert and sharing your journey and feeling empowered and it's kind of trying to teach and educate our users about um personal safety so what do you think about that i i 100% kind of agree with what you said i i, I think it's a start I think it's an incredibly positive start I think um, 100% the police need to um, get in the communities I think they need to understand their communities um, I think they need to understand the women within their communities and, and, and speak to them what, what do they want how do they want it how do they want it delivered I think they need to build up relationships I think exactly that what, what, what you just touched on a minute ago Jess what is my expectation if I am a victim? What would happen? You know, mm. those kinds of dialogues, uh, I think, are so important. Mm. Um, you know, this this is how, how we, you would be expected to treat it. This would be the minimum standards. I think the police need to use their voices and, and get back in. And I think this is a great start. And, and hopefully this will snowball into something much bigger where we're not a police, you, you know, they... It's, it's far more community-based and, and we mm. just get back to those basics of communicating. No, I completely agree. I think you know the key is to, the key to everything is communication, isn't it? I think it's where I think in the world a lot of you know whether it's you having relationship problems or you're having problems with colleagues or whatever. It, a lot of the time it is down to communication. It's 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 funny. Um, I mean, you've really gone through not only every single different department in the police force it sounds like but you've been in so many different situations which I find absolutely fascinating god I mean I would love to watch a documentary on your life <laughs> just yeah, we'll take we'll take you to the pub actually and have quite a few wines and hear more I know. <laughs> that would be I, know. I find it so so fascinating now do you do you think that your views have changed? I know that now that you're a parent and you know now that you have children of your own and you know you mentioned you've dealt with cases with children, do you view the cases any that you've worked on any differently 
from before you were a parent to now that you are a parent? Uh, no, not really. Um, I, I, I don't. Um, I, I just treated, I always tried to treat each case as I saw it and, and as it was presented to me. Mm. And, um, and I, I'd left the police for a few years before, before I had children. And that was a conscious, conscious decision. Um, so, you know, it was very, as police were, we were quite good at putting things in a box, um, just yeah. putting the lid on the box and then putting yeah. it away. Um, and then just, cause I, I think I was with some school mums the other day and I think I mentioned something and they just were all, we did what? And it is, it's just something that you just kind of box away and just, just carry on, you know, like. like For your own sanity, I suppose. Yeah, yeah like yeah, totally. London. London bombings, you know, being being on scene, that you know, just all the, you know, you don't actually realise all the big things that you deal with until it's after, like Hackney Siege, we were there, uh, London bombings, we were there, and and it's just all, you just kind of box it and just deal with it, and now I just need to make sure that I remember shin pads, football socks, <laughs> you know, and it's just all very different. It's just a different part of my life now. So interesting you you say you're a mum you've got two children and they're both boys yes (laughs) so I mean going forward we've obviously been you know out in the press there's been lots of you know hashtag not all men and obviously there's been lots of conversations about what men can do and for you I'm just wondering as a mum of two boys and you know soon to be teenagers dare I say it at some point I know I know I know know you're a long way off but I mean surely these sorts of things that are going on in the world does it make you stop and reflect and think you know do we have certain conversations with them now are they do we have to bring certain topics up with them uh do we you know does that make you think wow if they were another five or ten years older you know how would life be for them out in the street what would I expect of them does it bring up a lot for you oh oh I always wanted boys because I thought it would be easy (laughs) and it's only now I've got boys that I realized that that was a a naive and somewhat stupid (laughs) um thought really because I, I just see it now at such a, you know, mine are five and six, and I, and I see the responsibility that I have as a mother, um, you know, to for them to understand women and to respect women and to see, um, just to, I, I, I already struggle with it. Like the other day, my five-year-old didn't want to wear his sunglasses because they were pink, and his best friend wouldn't play with him if he was wearing pink glasses. Oh, God. And, and, and already, and, and, and I'm trying to build in, I was like, you know, you, you wear what you want, pink is in feminine, pink can be, oh, it's it's already a minefield. Um, yeah. And I do think that, you know, you feel that as women, and raising girls, potentially, but I, I can't, that you do have to teach them what's right and wrong, but you, you just have an equal responsibility, if not more so, that the boys that you raise understand women and support women and support strong women and um, understand all those issues of consent and um, acceptable behaviours. Yeah, it's a minefield. It's a minefield. Yeah, I bet. And I mean, you've, you've touched on some really great bits there. I mean, you talked about consent, which is obviously something that we've had a lot of discussions about within these podcasts and 
you know, respecting each other. And I know it sounds so basic, but, you know, consent and respect obviously go hand in hand. And, you know, just being accountable. And I really love that you said about, um, you know, not being intimidated by strong women because Jess and I have had conversations previously um and actually you touched on this at the beginning of the podcast you said about you having your own voice and knowing what you wanted out of your career and that really propelling you forwards and Jess and I were saying we really feel as a generation that we kind of didn't have a voice for a while we were you know really not brought up to be um you know forthright with our opinions and I think as we've gotten older our voices have really come out and I think that's really lovely that already the boys will have a strong sense of, you know, a strong woman in the house because I think that really sets them up well. And, you know, I think it's really important as a role model for them to see that there's nothing to be intimidated of. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Jess? It was literally what we were just talking about the other yeah, day. absolutely. I mean, do you know what? I was reading an article in the Mail Online the other day and it was about, um, it had some really strong statistics and it was about uh, basically young boys who were, you know, sort of even like eight or nine and older, their introduction to sex being porn, basically because it's so readily available. So... The problem that's happening now is that very young children who should not be watching this stuff are watching porn because it is so readily available. All you have to do is type a search into Google and it'll come straight up and that's it. You're accessing it. And they're now sort of thinking that that is what sex is. And they're sort of that it was basically saying that a lot of uh, young children, well, young adults, let's say, you know, in the teens who are having their first sexual experiences, the girls, you know, it, it did sound awful. You know, some of the girls were practically being raped because that's what the men or the young boys thought that that's what sex was because they'd seen it in porn. And it's so unrealistic for a number of reasons. I mean, you know, just for the body conscious, for the female aspect and for a male aspect, I just think it gives completely unrealistic expectations. And my personal opinion on that is that... It's quite a difficult one. I all I sort of feel like you know the partners that I've had, without going into too much detail, they've all from we're getting into a really, 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 <laughs> really <Where's it> going? <laughs> but we share everything here. But the partners that I've had, they've always sort of they I would say they got off on you getting off. I think especially as we've got older and I've I've had more experiences you know, especially with, you know, with men my age or a little bit older, they've always sort of been about, it's a mutual pleasure thing. Whereas what's really sticking out at the moment for this new generation that are experiencing these things for the first time, it's purely about the men's pleasure. And it's like we're going back in time 50 years, maybe even 100 years, where it was just about the men's pleasure and who cares about the woman. And I just think that that is so, so wrong. So I'd actually be interested to see what you girls' opinion is on that, because I've actually never shared this with anyone before. <laughs> After you, Nadia. I mean, oh, mum's boys. I don't really know what to respond to that. Um, no, we, we um, like, we're talking about the boys and stuff. Um, I, I, my husband and I are, are very, not overly, but we are affectionate in front of them on purpose to, to teach them that it's, it's about everything is very neutral, everything's very 
loving and you know if we're cuddling it's it's we let them we bring them in and, and and i think it's so important to to not just not for it all to be about sex to actually be built on a relationship and, and yeah i love getting, that yeah and and to be an understanding and saying thank you to daddy for making me a coffee in the morning mm. and, and 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 daddy will say thank you to mummy for doing something for doing something nice too and think it's just about that respect and then not being defined roles and that you get pleasure from from those things as well and it's not just about the act of sex uh, that brings pleasure um it's all it's, it's it's much bigger than that and i think that's really important that we teach uh, these generations that it's not just about that one thing which sometimes doesn't last so long it's about the, the much bigger thing which encompasses so much more I absolutely love that. Yeah, I love what lovely. you just said there. And I think that's actually key where you say that you're purposely affectionate towards each other so that they know that it's normal. I mean, I'm actually in my first trimester with our first one. So uh, currently experiencing the morning sickness and all these other lovely symptoms, which isn't great. Um, but do you know, after, now that you've said that, that's 100% something that myself and Harry are going to do because... I agree with that completely, making affection normal. And I actually think that that might be a bit of an issue as well, is that, you know, there's a lot of kids growing up where the parents are, you know, maybe not affectionate around each other and sort of leave, sort of leave that until later. And, you know, they're not seeing, they're not seeing mm -hmm. a healthy relationship. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. I think that's the best advice that you, <laughs> as a parent I can get. I agree. And I think, like you said, it's the intimacy, isn't it? It's Ooh. all forms of intimacy. And yes. I think there's lots of languages of love. And I think I'm definitely an act of service girl. I mean, you know, it makes me really happy to bring someone a cup of tea, to make them a sandwich, to, you know, do those wifely duties. That That's how I show that I love someone. And I know that I require... <laughs> probably a bit hard work maybe a bit of attention <laughs> here or there <laughs> um but I think that knowing that about yourself and what you require and I think you know like you said being uh, going back to it being you know it's not just about the discussions about consent and things like that it's about role modeling and I think that you know in all aspects whether that be you know role modeling how to interact with the other sex at, uh, you know in front of your kids at a school fate you know someone else's mum or dad or you know um whether it be having someone over at your home or you know just I think those sort of everyday interactions that I think we probably take for granted because we're older and obviously it's part of our norm but to them they probably do sit there and think oh okay you know that's mummy's friend who's a man and it's completely fine to give him a hug that you know that's a warm affectionate thing it's a different kind of love that's a friendly love and I think that like you said Jess a lot of you know sadly I think a lot of households don't operate like that so I think there really is like this education to go on about you know like role modeling good behavior and what is and again I think COVID's not helped I think if we're gonna play a part I mean my little one's only just started seeing us hug people again and it kind of breaks my heart that you know it's been a very long time and now she's you know seeing her little face light up again that it's okay to hug others is just so lovely so yeah I, I do believe it all starts at home doesn't it really it does they're little sponges and and um it's not just about what you say it's about what you do um and, and 
you can sit and have serious conversations about this, but just show them in a more natural and a more um, subtle way. Um, just teach them really as best we can. Talking about teaching, and I think this is how I think we bonded when I first talked to you because I remember we were discussing our backgrounds and I said oh you know my dad used to work in the police and and I was discussing my way of life and how I was brought up and things that my dad would really press upon me and I could see you smiling and nodding thinking we do that we do that and I think (laughs) there's only only someone who's grown up with someone or work you know like you said with your partner now who's in the Met was it who also was in the Met um there is that bit of understanding and I think that you have this inbuilt need for safety you calculate risk more I know I do and I know that I think very differently to my friends and I think that's inbuilt in me from a child and that's because of my dad's job um would you say that you have certain things you safety wise you discuss or you teach them or do you think your role that you've had previously in the police has impacted the way you parent yeah I I do I am um, very honest I'm very open Uh, we use um, real words you know we don't we call things penises and you know oh I do that <laughs> are we know, honest too um, and I'm like oh is that your vagina yeah <laughs> no we are no well, we, right, we are yeah. very much um like that don't touch don't touch anybody else's vaginas don't touch anyone else's penises um yeah I'm really honest with them you know I think they, they, they um I think they're asking we were talking in, in a story where Ross just came down and went, what the hell have you told them? And we had a book about aeroplanes and um, my, my, they questioned why this, in this book, which was clearly written in the 80s, they were taking some liquid through the security. And I was like, oh, we can't do that anymore. And he he said, why? And so anyway, I don't even know how it happened, but we ended up talking about Richard Reed, the shoe bomber. And um, so I am really honest with them. They they do know that people, bad people, can choose to blow up planes and stuff. Which you know sometimes when you're there, just go, well, how have I got into this? Why have I started this? You know. And Ross is like, what have you told them now? They're still going on about Richard Reed. Like two months later. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just honest. I, I don't really. Um, you don't wrap them in bubble wrap. We no, certainly don't that. wrap them in bubble wrap. We just tell them how it is. And, um, and it's my husband who's more of a bubble wrap kind of parent. He, he's the more cautious than, than me. Um, but we're just, we're just open, really. Um, Can I say, though, I love it if, you know, someone starts talking about bombing at school, then we all know where it came from. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. And I think they had, um, they, had an elf on, um, they had an elf on the shelf at Christmas. And the, the school did this, the elf's watching them. And I just totally trashed it. And I just was like... The elf isn't real. You're you're safe at school. Nothing can watch you in your place of safety. No, I don't like the elf. And so I went into school and I, and I and I said, "Am I proper? They just must really, you know, when I come in, they just must be like, oh, what? damage control, like, quick guys, yeah. damage control." <laughs> the elf, the elf. <laughs> and I was just like, "Look, you 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 know, this 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 is a school. This is a place of safety. You cannot 
control children's behavior by telling them they're being watched. I was like, it's wrong on so many levels. Mm. So I don't think many other parents go as mental about Elf on the Shelf as, as I do. I thought they would have had to have gotten your consent for that. I mean, I wouldn't have agreed to that. I don't agree with that philosophy anyway. I mean, I know we may have some American listeners who I know it's mainly an American tradition, but um, I think Pretty it's very here. much, yeah, it has become quite big over yeah. here. And I think that that's something that, you know, totally should be within your control rather than forced upon a child. But yeah, I get it. For me, I just think that their school, they should feel safe and they should feel able to act however they wish. And, uh, you know, I'm not so bad as like, I don't tell them like, you know, I'm pretty, like something just knows. That's kind of my argument. But, mm. Um, and like when they say alarm panels watch you and stuff, and if the red light comes on, it I'm just like no, 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 no. So yeah, I'm a kind of a bit of a school hyping parent for that reason. But apart from that, we just yeah, kind of, I get that, and I think you're right. Yeah, school should be a safe place, and mm. the the truth of it is, not all households are as loving and as sort yes. of as as yours is. Um, you know, there are, you know. You, there are a lot of kids in the world that you know don't have a very healthy household and are going through issues as you as an ex-member of the police force have dealt with yourself so actually having a school as a safe place for them to be able to maybe discuss things that they might not feel comfortable discussing at home well you can't take that away from them otherwise they're going to have no safe spaces I so agree. And just I absolutely yeah. agree and to be themselves so like so if you tell a child that they've been watched you don't know child you've got to remember they don't have logical you know their brains are so they're so young and they're so de- developed you know they're developing aren't they that mm. you know something is horrible going on in their home and they're not safe do they they need to 100 percent feel safe in their only other sanctuary where they spend so many hours and, and to take that away from a child i just think that, i think it's really wrong so yeah apart from like trash and elf on the shelf and uh, <laughs> uh and using the word penis and vagina a lot, which they shout in the playground, we're just totally normal parents. And <laughs> um, I want to jump in there, though, because I think, I again, I've read a lot about this, and it was a conscious decision for me to give Ariana the biological names for her body very early yeah. on. And I know that because, you know, without, you know, going into scaremongering, but there's a lot of, you know, grooming that happens, you know, and can happen out there. And... I was always taught that by allowing a child to, you know, really know their body and to understand the actual names, if anything were to happen, nothing gets lost in translation. So, you know, some people call their their lady parts, I don't know, a fairy or a mini. And I think for a girl, probably more so, it's a minefield. I mean, I I know (laughs) mine used to be a nunny and or a front, you know, people would say front, there were so many words. And I think I said, to, I remember having the conversation with Tony, which was, she's going to know. She, I want her to know right from the onset. I want her to know what it's called. And I don't want any confusion. So if anyone says to her or touches there or something happens, I'm very aware because she'll tell me that was my vagina. And that's a very clear, you know, you can't get confused by that. That's yeah. very, you know, uh, black and white. Now, is that the reason why you do it? And is, that why you're you know very yeah. clear with the anatomy as well i have um interviewed hundreds of victims and the you have to say in interview you can't a word like a nunny or a fairy will not do mm. when i'm videoing interviewing victims you have to, and what do you mean by that and what 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 other 
words do you know for that? And it's just like, oh, and, and you see it now and you see parents who, who shy away from it and it's like, it's a penis, it's a vagina. It's not a big deal, you know. Yeah, we breasts, all have it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for me, it was always like, why should you use a, a silly word for it? It's just, it's like an arm. It's, it's like a nose. It's, it's like, I also read that apparently it's part of the fantasy for a groomer, isn't it? I mean, to have like a secret, you know, yeah, and I did read a, a secret term and one where one little girl kept trying to share, he touched my fairy and he kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a family member. You know, we were playing fairies the other day. Yes. And yes. could you imagine, could you imagine there a child was... trying to share that? And that breaks my heart. And I just said to Tony, I can't, we just have to be very clear from the onset. And I know yeah. it could be me worrying, but. I think, I, I don't think. There was something that I saw online, and it was about a, a girl using. I think the word that she used was a cookie, and so you can imagine the the things that the groomer was was using with that word, and 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 it just and it's like oh, cause sometimes you think oh, I'm getting a bit on my high horse about these things, and then you just read something like that, and you're just like no, that's exactly why I do it, and and it just take it all out of it being a shameful or a secret or just if anyone touches or tries to touch your penis, you tell them. Good conversations to have right off the bat, personally. And I think <laughs> it builds, no, I agree. I think it builds yeah. trust. Jess and I were discussing this the other day, weren't we? Having, you know, not just the birds and the bees conversations, oh. but about consent and things like that. I think it yeah. has to be, like Jess said, intertwined now. I think that's the world we live in. So now that we're coming to the uh, to, towards the end, um, there's always three questions that I like to ask, and they're all about the past, present, and future. So the first one, which sort of looks at the past, um, before you were in the police force, and you know, as you were yourself a young girl growing up, what advice would you give your younger self at that vulnerable age, given all that you know now? <laughs> Oh gosh, don't do half the things that I did. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I think I think the big one is to to follow your gut, really. Mm. Um, and you know, you just know, don't you? And 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 just in so many in a bad situation, in a good situation, just follow your gut. And 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 obviously now I'm like nearly forty two. I don't really care what people think of me if I'm to speak up or if I'm to say something. But I wish I would have followed my gut, perhaps uh, in quite a few situations. Being positive and negative, not just in a... I wasn't not necessarily yeah. saying in a bad situation, but I'm just saying mm. I wish that I'd have just thought that a bit more. There's a few things that I look back and go, I could have done more, I should have done more, and I knew that I should have done more, I could have done more. Absolutely. And looking at the present, where where do you feel the safest? Um, I I feel I I feel insanely safe. Um, I I I feel safe in everywhere. Mm. I'm really I don't know maybe because I have quite a good awareness because I'm quite um you know I've always I'm surveillance trained you know like there's lots of things which make me quite comfortable and I, and I feel quite comfortable if you put me in a situation. That I would be confident to, to get out of it. I, I feel very safe. Do you feel like knowledge is power? You know, having oh, the knowledge and knowing what you know. Hundred percent. I, I was trained 
really well in the Met. Uh, I've been on a lot of courses. I've had a lot of money thrown at me. Um, I've got a husband who is the same. We drill, you know. We, you know, we work very well together. Um, so yeah, knowledge is hundred percent. I mean, can I have you on my team if anything goes wrong? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm a really bad loser though, so... No, but I think we're going to win, so I think it'll be fine. (laughs) And and I think you'll be great in a crisis, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'll bug see you. (laughs) I'm joining the team too. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. It's a powerful trio. It really is. I won't mess with us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would either. No. Well, two pregnant ladies and an ex. Don't mess with a pregnant lady <laughs> with yeah. firearms training. <laughs> I'm far more scared of you two being pregnant. Trust me. I love it. <laughs> and then, look, finally, looking towards the future, um, what change would you like to see in the future? I mean, I say this very broadly, but I suppose in terms of, in terms of safety, in terms of women's issues, and you know, in terms of the future generation as well, it's a very, very loaded question. <laughs> God, I, I, gosh, I think we could talk about that in itself for, for hours, couldn't we? Um, public sexual harassment, um, I think we need to bring a lot of our laws up to date. I, I think we need to get rid of all, a lot of wishy-washiness. Um, I think we need to be more transparent. I think we need to be more clear. Um, I mean... Where do I start with that one? I'd, I'd love to see some really positive changes. I feel that, I think now is the time, I do feel there's definitely a movement, um, and that's really positive. And I think with the things like with social media, which we said I certainly didn't have growing up, I think that we can uh, achieve a lot more, a lot easier. So, yeah, there's a lot we need to do still, a lot. No, absolutely. Well, I totally agree. Yeah, we completely agree. And it has been absolutely wonderful to have you today. I mean, Jess and I have been just lapping up everything you've been saying. So, I mean, we couldn't agree more. Isn't that right, Jess? Absolutely. We need to get you on again. I don't feel like this is enough. We need like... <laughs> it's like the tip of the iceberg, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to do a part two, maybe a part two, three and four of this episode. But <laughs> I agree. <laughs> But we just wanted to say thank you so much. I really hope that you've enjoyed being here as much as we've enjoyed listening to you. And I have had a wonderful time. Thank you very, very much for having me. No, any time. Honestly, please come back. We want to hear more stories. I could be here for ages. Netflix need to get in touch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you also to our listeners. And you've been listening to Talk Safe with your host, Emma, and my lovely co-host, Jess. See you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Talk Safe podcast, sponsored by Walk Safe. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Good ones only, please. <laughs>